You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss implies the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. Welcome once again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd podcast. Nerds. That's the nerd alert. And uh, joining, I'm Russ, and joining me as always is Cap and Alex from the Something Good for You podcast. Yo, yo. What's going on? And uh, we've been tracking the history of Kiss album by album, year by year. And we are not experts, nor do we claim to be. We just like to get off on this goofy shit it's called kiss mm-hmm. and lately we've been going album by album but now we're actually are going year by year we're gonna focus yep. on a whole year we're gonna be spending the next several episodes on a single solitary year and that is the magical year of 1978 it's a disco fever can you picture it right now oh yeah strutter 78 uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're gonna picture talk it. about that we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about a couple of things um as we go through it we're just gonna kind of pick apart everything that's going on uh we're gonna see no less than really really technically five albums released this one single year which is insane and one's a double album of course but this one doesn't i don't know if you say it counts because it's a greatest hits package Mm -hmm. and of course they're going to cap the year with a a tv movie Mm -hmm. so we're got a lot to explore and we're going to cover this probably over multiple episodes oh yeah and but, as we mentioned in the last episode, this is when the Kiss machine just goes into full force. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is this is this is the peak. I think um, you know we we talked about the peak being alive too, but that was the beginning of it, is what I mm-hmm. really meant by that. And really, for the next two years, we're we're going through Kiss mania. This is everything that Kiss does to this very day is built around this period. It only exists because of this period. Yeah. Yep. If this didn't happen. No one would care. Right. And speaking of Kissmania, uh, coming up this Friday on the Something Good For You podcast, we actually go through a whole retrospective of the Kiss Cruise. Yeah. And that was Kissmania. Alex back from the Kiss Cruise, Kiss Cruise 10. And Alex was on board with uh, another another one of the performers. Artists. The artists. Yeah, I hate that word. <laughs> it's like, it's rock and roll, man. It's not art. You know, it's like, you think art and it's like, you're not an artist, man. You know, I don't know. It's art like a refrigerator magnet is art. You know? <laughs> I love it. I mean, I can't put it on the front. Well, but give a quick, give a short encapsulation of what you were doing and mm. why you were there and what to look for on the Something Good For You podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you said, uh, we'll go through a whole thing. It's going to be episode 109. And uh, yeah, I was on the boat uh, because I've been guitar teching and uh, recording video for Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts. Uh, indie rock guy. Um, well, he'd punch me if I, he heard me call him that. Independent but, rock yes, artist. Independent rock artist yeah, not rock, yeah. That, that, that puts a certain <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah. no he, he is very much you know a fan of the glitz and glam of the 70s rock and roll accent and his, on the rock yes and a heavy he, hard accent on the rock and so uh, i've been rolling around with him uh doing just different tours and stuff and his previous band called biters was actually part of i think kiss cruise eight mm. and uh they got asked to come back uh and perform and just now since biters are no longer a band it was just it rolled over to his new project right. so through that i basically got a free ticket to go on the boat and hang VIP. out vip mm-hmm. yeah and vip all that good shit and hung out with and wound up meeting up with a couple of the members when we talk about that on the episode um and don't, don't give up too much not. of the you gotta go over on the something good for you network that's right and find the something good for you <laughs> podcast number, <laughs> yes. number 109 correct? yes 109 and you'll 
you're, listen in and you you're basically getting a whole bonus through time to turn episode oh absolutely and it makes up for uh, us not having one from a few weeks ago which was my bad <laughs> we we should have we should have gotten that in a little sooner but no kiss cruise tim definitely fun some great conversations had over on the something good for you podcast absolutely well where to start here 1978 and there's just so much stuff to pull apart um so we've got albums, we've got merchant, we've got merchandising. Merchandising really kicks in here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kiss became very famous for their merchandising. Yeah, and I for, think we've talked about in the previous episode how really they didn't make a lot of money off of this. No, no. Uh, especially through the um, Giltman Marks. Sorry. Giltman Marks. marks. Yep. Um, but also for like the last three records, I think ever since, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Destroyer had one. If not, I know for a fact Rock and Roll Over did. But starting with those records, they started including those mail-in order forms to buy Kiss merchandise. Okay, well, let's, well, let's okay, we got a lot to pull apart here oh yeah okay so i mean a lot of this comes out of the brain of bill coin mm-hmm. their manager this guy is a visionary manager if there ever was one maybe not the best business manager in fact that's the reason why they brought in clickman marks was to do primarily the to handle the the books yeah and that gave bill more reign to be a creative Force, right which is what he was so good at and but you know he seemed to be better at he had a vision and then he would marshal his troops accordingly and um let's just talk about a little bit about him because i've been trying to find information on bill of coin and i had it in my head and i don't know where this comes from but you see the nickname gee come up a lot yeah, I don't know where that comes from either. It's short for Guillaume. Okay. In my understanding, and I don't know where I got this from because it's not correct, mm-hmm. or at least from what I've been able to gather. But I understood that he, I, for years, I thought he his either his first or last name was Guillaume. And he was from Montreal, Canada. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I thought that. In fact, he was born on December 29th, 1943 in Massachusetts. <laughs> All right. And I thought a coin was a kind of a showbiz name that he had created for mm-hmm. himself. AU being gold coin. Mm, okay. okay. You know, and I thought that that was a, you know, that his real name was some French name and he adopted the coin name. Well, apparently that's not accurate. Apparently a <laughs> coin is his family name and his name was William Martin a coin. Okay. So I don't know still where Guillaume comes from or Guy. Everyone called him Guy. And hmm. uh, I, I, I'm i not sure what the, you know, I've tried to find it. I've dug through my books. I know. And I went on like, the internet and I'm like, where the fuck does that come from? And not I even couldn't from, find it. Not even from any of the uh, memoirs that, that's yeah. not brought up at all. But, um, and this kind of jumping ahead, like uh, when you get when we get to the solo albums, we talk. You, you, you know, anyone that has the solo albums, they have the dedication on the back. Well, a lot of people don't aren't aware that Sean Delaney also recorded an album at that same time with the, many of the same musicians. He also mm-hmm. produced two of the solo albums. Yeah, um, his dedication is includes Guy. And of course, Which if is, you don't know that that's mm-hmm. Bill of Coin, that was Bill. And of course, Bill of Coin was his. Partner. Partner, boyfriend, life partner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he's from Canada. Uh, he ran a pirate radio station out of his basement until he got shut down by the FCC when he was a teenager, which is pretty fucking cool. That is. I never knew that. I didn't either. Uh, and he got into TV production. He interned at WGHB in Boston, which is the big public television station in Boston that produces a lot of original programming for PBS. Mm-hmm. You'll see their logo on a lot of the PBS programming. <laughs> And so that's an important place to be. Right. Um, he gets a job with an advertising agency and apparently won a Clio Award, which a Clio Award is, uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's uh, essentially like, you know, the movies get Oscars, records get Grammys, TV shows get Emmys. Mm-hmm. Advertising has Clios. Okay. <laughs> it's an important and prestigious thing in advertising. So, and this is when he's in his 20s. You get, you know, again, 1949, you think about that. So, 1949 to 1969, he's 20 years old. You know, is that right? Am I doing my math? Yeah. yeah. So, the whole time. 
guess he's like, is he only in his 20s when he's doing his kiss Sounds thing? like it. Like he's a... Uh, that can't be right. Well, I mean... The no, rest 43. I'm sorry. Okay. 1943, 1949. So he's 30 years old. I thought okay. he was older. I, I'm a little bit more experienced. But a little still, bit. 30s. He's only in his 30s. I yeah. mean, just as kiss is getting rolling, mm-hmm. this is still a young man. Yeah. Um, but he is, he's got some TV experience. He uh, produced and directed, I think, uh, some episodes of a TV game show called Supermarket Sweep. Oh, I like Supermarket Sweep. And, and you know what's funny? <laughs> the, all right, this this is those weird things that I always think back on on like weird connections. And it's like I have to be genuine on the things I like. So you you said he was like a producer on that show, which means like he kind of had like I, a, I've gotten I've gotten mixed things. I've seen some places credit him as a producer and some as a director. Either and way, he may have done both. It's a role in which he has a hand in. Mm-hmm. When that show rebooted in the early 2000s and they were playing it on like the game show network and stuff, I loved the show. And that was the same time I was figuring out about Kiss and everything else. And it's just and those weird I things. I just tied it all together. Well, it's one go. of those fucking weird things where I'm like, really? Really? There's another thing I liked that had a weird Kiss connection that from looking at it from the outside in shouldn't? Like, it's what tr- the fuck? It's true, Alex. Everything is Kiss. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So he ends up, uh, he also produces a musical called Oh Calcutta. Okay. Which was famous for being a nude musical. I was going to say more like. All nude musical review. Yeah, I remember reading about that too. Apparently it's terrible, but. (laughs) It's like trying to be John Waters, but failing miserably. It it was revolutionary because everybody's naked. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I can't imagine like who that would have appealed to in 1972 or whatever if it was like the raincoat crowd like you know that's something you wouldn't necessarily want in the off-broadway musical but who knows and then of course he developed this syndicated show called flipside which of course is how kiss came to figure out who he was and contact him was through that show um so you know bill just sort of is work in different territories. His mm-hmm. primary goal is television, but he sort of almost by happenstance falls into management with Kiss. I think he managed another band prior to Kiss. I can't recall. I meant to put that down in my notes and I didn't. Yeah, it seems like every time it's mentioned though, it seems like Kiss is like his first that's, major band. That's his band. first thing. Right. And, and, well, and who knew that they were going to be a major band? And of course, you know, they were largely self-financed off of his American Express card, which is insane. Yeah. And, and uh, we go into detail on all that in all the previous yeah, episodes. Yeah, we've talked about that in previous episodes. And, you know, a lot of people seem to think that Kiss was this big money making you know, precisely planned juggernaut. And mm-hmm. it's not. No, and like, and like the classic quote from Paul, it's like, you know, someone asked him, what's it like to be rich and famous? He's, he's like, well, really? I can tell you what it's like to be yeah. famous. So yeah. he's, but he's got the vision, but he's not all entirely his ideas and vision. Of course, obviously the band members have to come into play. And Sean, but then Delaney. Sean Delaney was a big component of that. And, that, and that's something that we kind of discussed on the A&E episode, which is that I'm glad that Sean is getting a little bit more recognition for how much he actually did. Oh, the yeah, absolutely. But that's about it as far as their team at this point. Yeah, you're right. Now, going to the point of the inserts on the records, they, of course, they they discover these kids in Indiana doing a, a, a very grassroots fan club, and they call it the Kiss Army. Well, they adopt that, and, of course, they bring in professionals to run it. And the professional he brought in to run it was a guy named Ron Boutwell. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I want to say it's Boutwell. Boutwell. It I looks like Boutwell. That's how I'm going to say it. Boutwell. <laughs> Boutwell. It sounds awkward to say. Boutwell was um, breaking into uh, band merchandising, which was a new kind of relatively new market. It mm-hmm. had been previously untapped at that point. And it was Boutwell, who had the idea, Ron Boutwell is the one who said, ah, put order forms in the records. So that was his concept. And he uh, was running the fan club. And um, he claims at one point the fan club was uh, earning. Uh, well, I've got his $5,000 a day. That can't be right. Maybe. Five thousand a day is a lot. It is, especially especially nineteen seventy six money, seventy seven money. Well, I mean, <laughs> and uh, the membership eventually reached as high as the six figures, one hundred 
some thousand. Well, like a year or two later, when it, in 77, 78, when they do that Land of Hype and Glory thing, uh, I meant to actually rewatch that. That's one of the one pieces I didn't rewatch before doing this episode. But Bill even makes mention of saying, you know, their merchandising alone over the last year has netted us this much profit. Yeah, it's 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 getting really huge. And this is, again, you got to remember, this is pre-internet. This isn't like you can just get online and click. Mm-hmm. And it, you know. Oh, and, and might destroy your 45th anniversary. You have to, you, <laughs> right. have to, you, have, you know, most. Most of these most of these fan club memberships are coming from kids probably you know bugging mom to pull a fiver out of her fucking you know purse mm-hmm. i couldn't get that done i tried <laughs> believe me we tried like crazy and five dollars seemed like an obscene amount of money back then especially when you're under 10 years old right you know, an eight-year-old with five dollars man you're walking on top of the world man <laughs> Mm-hmm. And seriously, you're laughing about that, but I'm telling well, you, well, I'm laughing then, in agreement. Basically, like it was a huge sum right. of money, man. No, and also, mom and dad are going, "You want what? What? Yeah. Can, let me see it. Yeah, let me see it. What is this? You know, and, and there's shock and revulsion. But uh, recognizing <laughs> recognizing what's going on, Bill Coin buys out um, Ron Boutwell, and he rename or, or I guess he renames it initially Boutwell Nico. I can't even say it. Neokua. Okay. Which is a coin backwards. Neokua. Ah, that's cute. Uh And that's originally their little merchandising company. And he's splitting the profit uh, 50-50 with Kiss. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now think about that. Mm -hmm. 50-50 with Kiss. Now it means 50% to bill a coin and then 50% to to the four guys guys that have to split (laughs) that 50%. So... And then it was eventually it was amended to sixty forty to give sixty percent to Kiss. Yeah, you know? but oh. <laughs> uh, but see, in addition to that profit, he's receiving a commission on top of his management commission. Now mm-hmm. he's receiving a commission to run the management, another twenty percent, which is more than they're paying. Well, I think they're paying him twenty percent at this point still. Okay. Bro- he's almost like a fifth member in the yeah. in the split on that. Um. So Kiss is not making the lion's share of the Any stuff of in, in, in the 70s. Everyone yeah. thinks that they're just like raking in just huge piles of cash. Well, someone is, and but it's, it's not, not the members of Kiss. Nope. And that's probably why they're so heavily involved in how their stuff is is licensed today and mm-hmm. why they so uh, kind of, I wouldn't say cavalier with it, but, you know. Well, Gene does like the uh, the licensing a lot of himself. Because it's not, you know, it's like when you buy something that's branded with Kiss and you're like, oh, I'm giving Gene more money. No, Gene's already got that money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you're giving the guy that, you know, so it's, you're, you know, Gene's not getting more of your money. He's already mm-hmm. got it. He, the licensing deal's done. You you're, know? you're just making sure that other company that spent the extra yeah. money for the licensing is actually getting their money back. So, yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not 100% exactly how that works. That's probably an oversimplification, I'm That's, sure. It's pretty close. Uh, one of the things, actually, we didn't talk about on the uh, Something Good episode is uh, someone asked about merchandising, and Paul was like, you know, the only things we're guilty of is just giving the fans what they want. He's like, they, they think we're just sitting here and brainstorm, you know, what are we going to do? He goes, all we do is approve and approve, disapprove licenses. Yep, yep. People come to them going, hey, do you want to make this? Mm-hmm. What is it? Well, it's my shit with your logo car- carved into it. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get, give, give us this much money and you can do it. Because people will buy it. Yeah. Yep. You know, bricks of shit with the Kiss logo carved in it. Let's see. Know? Invisible air guitar strings. Yeah. Yeah, that's the current one. Just bags of air. Yeah. For $8. With the Kiss logo on it? Yep. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Air guitar strings. Oh, that's funny, man. How much is that? Eight bucks? Okay. (laughs) Right. You know. So the real sucker in this game isn't the guy that's making it. It's the guy that's buying it. Mm -hmm. And with God as my witness, I am that sucker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, is like we're laughing about the air guitar strings. The exact parallel of that in the 70s is they've got dolls. Oh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is an era when, you know, one of the most popular novelty toys is the Pet Rock. Yeah. I mean, they sold boatloads of that shit. I remember that. I remember reading about it. Kiss estimated uh, $100 million between 1977 and 1979. $100 million 1970s dollars. <laughs> And that was on the off season of them touring. That's not even tour money. That's that's. I mean, 
you know, I, I would I would hazard to guess, and I might be 120% wrong, but I don't think that I am, that Bill Coin was still living off of that money to the day he died. Like, his, his success in other ventures still wasn't the income that he was living off of. I would mm-hmm. only assume that has to be true because that is an obscene amount of money. I, uh, My personal opinion, I think he ran out in the mid-90s. Because you hear about the stories of Bill showing up to some of those kids conventions, like the fan ones, and then kind of going like, hey, I got some shit in my trunk and then like selling off like things that he had. I don't I don't. I, yeah, I just have a hard time seeing that he was broke, though. I mean, but then again, you know, you never know. You never know. So they're making a lot of cool stuff here, though. Let's be honest. You got, of course, obviously the better known items like the lunchbox. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Mego dolls. Those yep. dolls, man, I can tell you, I can remember walking into Sears and seeing those things and just like losing my shit because <laughs> that was about the coolest thing that had ever been made. I was just like, I got to have them. Those 12 inch kiss dolls, and, man. And, 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 and Action figures, sorry. I, yes. But anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, but that's the thing, though. In comparison to, like, say, you know, stuff that comes like 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 that that comes out today, then look, uh, you know, they look kind of goofy in a lot of ways. But in, the, too, in that comparison. era, you didn't have you didn't have. Yeah. You're looking at it with hindsight. I mean, look at the contemporaries of the other Mego dolls. Look at the superhero Mego dolls. They had like a Spider Man, yeah. and that thing looked janky as hell. There was a Hulk that looked all weird. But, so it's like the Kiss ones actually looked really good in comparison. But, uh, I, man, I can tell you, I wanted that Mega Hulk doll like crazy. I yeah. asked for that thing for like five years in a row. Never got it. <laughs> I always got something to compensate kind of close. It's like I wanted Hulk. Well, I didn't get Hulk. I got Spider Man. But to help compensate, I got a little Spider Man. It was like a Spider Man car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm looking at the Mego superhero dolls, and yeah, it's now jogging my memory on Dude, all this stuff. A, too. I, had, I had the Mego Batman and Robin with a with a Batcave playset. It was fucking cool. Tore it all to pieces. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know? uh, so you know, if I had the Kiss dolls, I'm sure they would have met a, a, similar demise. Yeah, a, you know, some sort of like you know heinous fate. Let's see if Gene can actually breathe fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll make know. Ace's guitar smoke. <laughs> or, you know, I'm sure they would have been engaged in, like, copious amounts of, like, coitus with Barbie dolls of my friend's sisters. <laughs> right. You know, whatever you would do. I can remember a kid got a set at a birthday party at a skating rink we used to go to every Sunday when I was a kid. And it mm-hmm. was just like, all, you know, all of a sudden there's this flock of kids that aren't even part of his party are just like, <gasps> What do you got? He had a whole fucking set. You're like, wow, he's got, you know, because you never could find all four. Right. You know, but of course I was lucky to just even hold a box would have been cool. But, you know, my mom being my mom was no way she was letting her baby boy have any of that demonic cast stuff. (laughs) I'm looking online at uh, eBay prices for like a set of four. It's like thirteen hundred dollars. That's for like, insane. Yeah, I had a friend of mine found a full set. They weren't in boxes, but he got a full set for like three hundred seventy-five bucks or something. Three hundred fifty. Damn. They had the guitars though. Oh wow! Oh this shit! Is, That's yeah, the hard box. The, the back of the box. Yeah, the back of the box had the guitars on the back. The boxes are all the same, if I remember right. Yeah, I want to say so. You got all three guitars are on the back. With mm-hmm. the, you know, you, depending on which figure is which one you'd cut out. Yeah. So what about the uh, the Kiss Radio? The Kiss Radio, I don't remember ever seeing one of those until the nineties. Now the Kiss Radio, of course, you know I'm young, so I never saw any of this stuff firsthand. But watching like some of the VHS stuff or you know Second Coming uh, collection when they actually talk about the merchandising of the time, they always show the commercial for the Kiss Radio. The Kiss Radio. I don't even remember that TV commercial ever airing. I was so confused. I thought. They were promoting a radio that only played, played Kiss. Kiss music. Oh, I think that was kind of they were okay for you to be confused on that. I think they quite wanted you to be confused on that. And, yeah, you know, because I even it's, say it's a it's a, it's a little AM point. transistor radio. Yeah, with a sticker on it. It's all it is. It's all it is. Was Kiss even being played on AM radio at the time? Well, probably. You know, well, rock and roll all night was and yeah, Beth was. But by that point, I mean, AM was still top 40. And if they didn't have a top 40 hit, then no, Kiss was not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Another one that uh, pops in my head that always thought was kind of odd because it really didn't fit with anything else they did. But the product itself looked cool. The model van. Yeah, I've never seen one of those either. In person? I I don't think I have. Now, is 
It, yeah, I don't. It's like a red it's van. It's a red van with a destroyer, destroyer decal on the side. Mm-hmm. Again, so random, but like you look at it and you're like, well, this is kind of cool looking, yeah, especially I, for like I, the I, retroness of it. See, exactly. The thing is, is I'm trying to remember what I actually saw back in the day. Mm-hmm. The Kiss dolls I can remember being in the stores. Um, uh, how about the mini record player that had like the Alive 2 photos inside no, of the lid? Never saw that. Okay. I don't know that I've ever actually seen one of those. Okay. There's a ton of stuff like they had, but I, I, the lunchbox, of course, was, you know, you had at least one kid in school that had one of those. Right. And somewhere along the way, I acquired a thermos. Oh, the coveted thermos. Yeah, and that's all I had. I don't know where I got it from. <laughs> and that's all you got. And that's, that's the rarest piece. Yeah. And I was like, and who, God knows where it went. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the old Kiss Lunchbox uh, eBay prices, and they're like $400. Yeah, that's dude. stupid. That's, dude, the, the collector market on this stuff is outrageous. I know, because it's people that are, you know, 50 years old that have a little more disposable income now that are going to want to buy that stuff and put it on their shelf and their fucking den. But then it sucks for me because it's like, you know, I wasn't around when all that cool shit was coming out. And it's like, I don't want all the shit, but it's like, you know what? Eventually, I would like to have the Migo collection. I'd like to have a lunchbox. You hear what you're doing, though. Uh Uh-huh. It's like, I don't need it all. I just need this. And this. And that. (laughs) And that's and that. all I need. It's like the jerk, you know. Uh-huh. I don't need anything. All I need is <laughs> this pen, this ballpoint pen, you know. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're walking out with an armful of junk that you really and truly do not need. Well, b- mainly because I'm thinking of another product they put out in the 70s that may have been, like, at least the first, like, really? That? The Kiss trash can. I had one. You had one. <laughs> My brother and I both had one. Okay. So yeah. so to me that's one of them that's like I could take or leave like and, and no if someone's trying to give it to me don't don't mistake I will happily take the, it but that's not one I'm seeking the out. The bummer about the Kiss trash can is that it had a picture on each side it was an aluminum trash can a tubular shaped you know and it was about two foot tall maybe maybe twenty inches tall it was mm-hmm. tall but it had two pictures on it and it was one side was a live shot or. Mm-hmm. A posed live shot, and the other side was a posed picture, and it was printed backwards. Uh, <laughs> so you know, the star was on the and wrong the star side. Was on the wrong, you're just, it, you, you know, so you turn that side to the wall. <laughs> but we had that. I'm trying to think. You know, you'd see, of course, the posters that, that you know we'd sneak into. You know, Spencer's because I always felt like you weren't supposed to be in there when you're like <laughs> see, eight years old because yeah. you're seeing all the, you know, also. Side note, uh, seven hundred fifty bucks on eBay for a Kiss trash can. I love this. Which, I love how he's got up eBay and is going to give us the prices. A couple I love years this. ago on Craigslist here in town mm-hmm. for fifteen dollars. No shit. And I contacted him. I was going to buy it, and I forget some snafu happened, and I was tired. I was like, I don't want it. Say so, this Aww. is with the backwards fucking print on it too. Yeah, yeah they all were made that way. Um, Ooh, the uh, the plastic guitar. Yeah, that was a popular one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never had one of those, but I, it seemed like I recall having maybe one of my cousins had one. Yeah, kind of had like the Destroyer rock and roll over yeah. a glitter gemstone um, photo shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it had, but it was a little plastic toy with red plastic strings. I mm-hmm. only had four strings on it. <laughs> Most of those little bullshit things did. I think it like, and it was like one of those where it's like it didn't even play Kiss songs. It's like you just press buttons and go like, no, it, didn't, it, it didn't have a, it wasn't even that. Oh, it wasn't that? No. It was, like it, two, it, it was nothing electric about it. It was just a plastic Oh, I thought it at least made like some sort with of noise. these little toy strings on it. Just they were a, just like nylon plastic, you know. Looks like just a shitty ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> Did uh did you ever get the makeup kit? Yes, I did. Ooh. I found the makeup kit. You know, my memory is all blurry on this. It was already a year or two after the kiss thing had peaked. So I might have been about, oh, maybe they were still just holding on. I don't know. But the makeup kit was old, I think. It felt like it was old. And I was like, wow, that's weird. And I bought it. Yeah. And if you opened it up, it opened up like... It looks like a box, but my memory is it's not a box. It folds open like it, the lid, not hinged, but you know, comes folded up. open. Yeah, and it had a little plastic tray with all the makeup in it, and then like a booklet that had the designs, so you could you know follow the design and paint it. Yeah, that one's only 125 on eBay. <laughs> only 125 yeah. fucking makeup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm surprised that makeup wouldn't be turned to complete 
I dust know it. by now. <laughs> that's what it says on the. Oh uh, this... no, that, that's not the right one. That's for the reunion tour. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, that's a reunion tour. That that's a new yeah, photo. Kiss your face makeup. Yeah, kiss, oh, kiss your, your face. face. All right, <laughs> I don't in these TV commercials that have popped up. I don't recall seeing those on TV. Oh, the kiss your face makeup kiss by Rimco. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. I, I'm not saying that I didn't see it. I just that's don't remember. Name, mm-hmm. But usually that stuff you'd stick out in your head if you saw something. Like, what about the Amigo toy commercial? Did you ever see that one? Really? No, I don't recall seeing that. Hmm. Yeah, and the Kiss Radio one. I mean, that's we use a part of that in our intro, and yeah, that's just a radio exploding. Right. Uh, hmm. Trying to think of some other one. Uh, I know a that, lot already, though. <laughs> I know they had, uh, which is also still relevant for this episode. They had a commercial for Double Platinum. I never saw that, but I know you know I've seen these commercials obviously since the TV commercial. I, I have a memory again. I told this in an early episode of seeing a commercial advertising a concert, mm-hmm. and then when when they came through with Dynasty, the Dynasty commercial that everyone's seen. Oh yeah, where everyone they they're walking with the little freeze yeah, frame. They had one of those. I remember seeing that on TV. But a lot of this stuff, you know, I don't. If they, I'm not saying they didn't air it in our market. I'm just saying I know I don't. But then again, I also lived in a place where I could only pick up one television station. So. Right. Um, of course, the other thing that popped up in that era was the Kiss pinball machine. Yes, and mm-hmm. I can remember rolling into the again the skating rink and that Kiss pinball machine, man. That was that was it. That was that's the, the one bit of Kiss mar- merchandise that I will spend fuck you money on if I uh, you know had just that to burn would be the Kiss pinball machine. And yeah. you know what? I, I might agree with them. And I've been fortunate to actually play an original Kiss pinball because uh, the diner we have here in town, Pinky's West Side Grill, has one. Uh, they used to. Yeah, they used to. Yep, they used to have one in the front. And I remember like when I first moved back to Charlotte years ago, when I went into Pinky's, I saw that neon glow with that animated Kiss thing on there. I'm like, Oh, they've got one. I think out of all the Kiss merchandise from that era, that, I mean, obviously it's kind of hard to beat a pinball machine anyway. Yeah. But just that back glass painting is the so, so cool. cool. That is such an iconic, you know, that's better than any. I mean, no, I'm not knocking the Ken Kelly art because that stuff's great too. But the art on that pinball machine, man. Iconic. That was badass. And I think part of the reason being is because it was very 70s. Like the style art mm. was very much 70s of the time. So yeah. it's like, and and you look at, and this is a positive, you look at a lot of Kiss's um, visuals and it's almost timeless. Like, you know it's from the 70s, but there's nothing overtly 70s color. Right. There's not a well, lot of 70s it's, style. It's because it's black and silver. Exactly. Mm. This is one of the few things where it's actually that 70s comic book, bright neon, mm. kind of, you know, almost uh rubbery style artwork and i think that's one of the reasons it really draws you in is because you're like they didn't do a lot of artwork that was of the 70s well i'll tell you what's also weird and i've talked about this before i think is the idea again with no internet and no dvd vhs none of this whatever blah 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 vhs like anyone still watching vhs (laughs) and that was just becoming a thing i'm looking you would go like i'd go to the skating rink and you knew it was there and you would just go and stand in front of it and look at it yeah Mm -hmm. and it was like that's and you just stare at it you know and it would play intermittently the little songs the way that you know the you, you put your quarter in and it would play you know the the pinball music mm-hmm. would be kiss songs they'd play it you know bong, 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 bong. you know oh that was rock and roll and i <laughs> you know you know and it was like two or three songs it would play but yeah. it wasn't the actual recording it was like you know just yeah, that, the animatronic that, that, music yeah and it was like but that was still like cool enough and mm-hmm. you know they're all over the place on ebay but even like the fucking uh back glass for the original ballet pinball machines are like 600 yeah, 700 bucks yeah. And that's just the back glass. <laughs> yeah, I can't find. Uh, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, there's a signed one from like all the individual members of the band that's on eBay. From uh, that's like four grand at least. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a cool thing to see back in the day, you know. And you know, this merchandising stuff is, uh, you know, I just don't recall. You know, it was huge, but I don't recall it being overtly prevalent because there's like a there's a kiss on tour board game i don't mm-hmm. remember ever seeing that uh one of the pieces that i have from this era that kind of thinking on it i think probably served them the best which was 
the kiss trading cards oh yes i think that did a world of good because it was something very cheap you could pick up at the gas station yep. or the corner oh, yeah. store we all and have then, kiss yep. cards and then Everyone. you bring them to school yep. trade them yep. around yeah the kiss cards were definitely a big thing there for a good solid year or whatever and plus they, they just look so cool they picked great shots yeah. the borders were really nice they i've got were, i've got a flip book of a whole bunch right. of them they're awesome they are really awesome i can remember that was again part of the again it's same as staring at the pinball machine staring at those pictures on those cards and trying to make sense out of what's going on in them because Mm -hmm. you don't under you know when you're really young and you're still you know you're you're pretty naive yeah and you don't understand what you're looking at quite you know and and you know the idea i I, i'm jumping ahead here my brother went to see him in 1979 and he talked about how he wasn't prepared to see them move and it's like we'd seen even if we've seen the movie it's still and it didn't click in his head he was like he had it you, you know and we probably all did it's like they would come over strike their pose and yeah. play move a little bit and play you know yeah but uh and a lot of that came from because these pictures you know they look like they're almost posed and some of them are obviously but there's and honestly there's some cool there's I'm, I'm drawing to mind some images just off of my memory of these cards mm-hmm. there's one of paul stanley and he's bathed in like kind of an orange light and his muscle is really divined and he's and he's glazed in sweat and he just looks fucking cool calm down and i just want to run my fingers to this that's rust band <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying he looks cool. It just looks yeah. like he's fucking, you know, the man, the fucking man. Yep. You know, it wasn't. You weren't looking at it sexually. You were looking no. at it as an idealized. You know, that's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I girls mean, aren't the only ones that'll get body image right. issues. We all want to have Paul's body. <laughs> so it was like, that's the guy I want to be. I want to be like that guy right there because he's the cool motherfucker and he's mm-hmm. going to get the girls. And he's, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a picture where Gene Simmons is drooling blood, and he's 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 like sucking on a microphone, basically. Yeah. And the but the blood's all grueling down. And it's just it's just a weird fucking looking thing. And again, it's not something that you would look at as a sexualized image. Mm-hmm. And even if he's intending it in any way like that, it's not connecting with an eight year old in that way. It's no. just a bizarre picture. Yeah, right. it's kind of like that's looking at- how I still look at these things. You mm-hmm. know, in my head, it's like. What is this? Why? Why are they doing that? What is that all about? You know, and it was just you just sit there and try to figure it all out. And then they had the little, uh, the little blurbs on the back of some of these yeah. cars. And you know, Paul is a you know yeah. Capricorn or whatever. Yeah. The fuck. And Ace is from the planet Jindel. Yeah, I'm learning to adjust to your gravity. And you're like, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Side note: I think that is the smartest thing they ever came up with is I'm still trying to get adjusted to your gravity to explain yeah. why he was falling all yeah, the time. Right. I love that. That is probably the smartest, silliest thing they I'm came up with. Off, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm getting used to this atmosphere. Yeah, whatever. But no, but all that stuff, but it, you know, to a kid, bucks on it eBay, played yeah. into it, man. And we, we, yeah, the, the kiss cards were a big deal. And um, uh, talking about your brother saying, you know, he just wasn't ready for them to move. I think there's just something about Kiss, though, that does have a little bit of that strikingness to it. Mm. Because um, on that Kiss cruise, the lights were really good, and you could tell they were genuinely like pointing out people. Like mm. they would, they'd like point to someone and like throw a pick. Right. And there was a time or two where it's like their eyes, if not looking at me, was looking at someone like right next to me, or at least in my general vicinity. And it still does give you that little like a. <sighs> He looked at me. Almost yeah. a little bit. And it's like, and I've been a fan for so many years. And I would still get that, oh, did they look at me? Yeah. That mm-hmm. thing, if their eyes were in that area. So for him to even not see as much of it as we have, I can definitely see how just that presence well, and aura all of a sudden is just like, oh. Well, again, you know, the other big thing, and I don't know if this counts as merch or not, but I will count it, is just all the teen magazine, 16 magazine. Kiss were always on the I cover count of it. 16. 16 was like kind of the big one. Yeah. And there was Super Teen and Tiger Beat, you mm-hmm. know, and these, you know, most of it was, it was center, it was kind of directed towards like, uh, young teen or preteen girls. Yeah. And a lot of it was the, you know, Sean Casty, Leaf Garrett, you know, that stuff. Yeah. Scott Bayo. <laughs> Donnie then, Osmond. Donnie, well, Os- this is kind of post Osmond. Oh, okay. You know, so this is 1978. But the same so type of magazines that would have talked yeah, about it. They yeah. would have been totally Donny Osmond five years prior. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and 
than Kiss. Yeah. Because, you know, Kiss was kind of a universal thing. And so that was that was as close to Kiss merchandise as we ever got, really, for me and my brother. Because, you know, like I said, we had the trash can we got from an uncle. Yeah. Um, we got the records by hook or by crook. I mm-hmm. don't know how we just seemed to acquire those. And then the magazines, you know, and you cut out all the Kiss pictures and hang them on your wall or the Kiss center. You know, they have the centerfold. You mm-hmm. want to get the centerfold and hang it on your wall. And I think we mentioned it an episode or two ago, but um, maybe just kind of in passing, it fits more in this one. Uh, did you, uh, How did you wind up getting the Kiss comic book or how easy was it to find that? I didn't get it back in the day. Okay. I bought it way later. Did you ever see them even just out? Yeah, but I, they was, you know, I never, I was never a comic book person to begin with, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known where you got them. It seemed like I might have seen it on the newsstand at one point. Or like at a grocery store or you some know, shit. And, and when the, in, the, in the cover price, $1.25. Yeah. That was a lot of money for a comic book. Mm-hmm back then right oh yeah again you know i wouldn't have if i had had the money i would have as comic book readers today look at their three dollar 75 cent comic right, books right. <laughs> well, you know when comic books back then were like i think they were like 75 cents yeah something. if this that. was like double the price of a regular comic book um the so you know the comic book the I remember certainly the the advertising for it, mm-hmm. you know, the, that in, that insert that was in the record, or you know, mm-hmm. afraid of the sight of printed blood. Printed in real yeah. kiss blood. Yeah, but I don't recall anyone actually having one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody did because I can remember reading it at some point, but it's just such a dim memory. I don't. It wasn't a close friend. It had to have been like one of my brother's secondary friends or something. Somehow I got a hold of it and got to look at it. Yeah. Uh, the other kiss thing, I'm trying to think of the stuff we had. Right. Um, we each got a beach towel. Oh shit! I know what you're talking about. Those things are cool as hell. Well, there was two different. We had two different ones. It I'm was, thinking of the love gun themed one. There was one that was like, yeah, or at least love gun costumes. Yeah, you know, I can't remember what the one was red, and I think it was an illustration of them standing on the blocks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might be wrong on that, and it th- I think the logo was blue. And then the one that I had was just their four faces, and it was yellow, and it had a red logo. And my brother stole mine from me <laughs> so he could hang it on his wall. Our beach towels didn't go to the beach, they got hung on the wall. Oh, yeah. They became tapestries on your wall. Yeah. yeah. See, the so, one I have in my head is a white background, maybe a s- illustration of the cube photos, but it was like a white background, primarily black coloring with like yellow accents. Counter, the, one I'm, the one I'm seeing is more like orangey kind of. Okay, uh, no, we, no one can see this, but since but you're looking this to. up on here, I'm like, <laughs> rolling around, I want to look at this. More like, uh, more like this. Let me get to the angle where I can get to my little arrow here. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Or yeah, like that's that. not the one I remember either. That's not it. Ooh, that's not that, that, it. That's another version. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the ones we, you know, I wish I know what happened to these things. Yeah. Just, you know, I think they accidentally got lost by my mom at some uh-huh. point. Yeah, it's amazing she how was, that happens yeah, sometimes. she was down on it hard. Um, you know, but ultimately, the, the, the real end game was always, of course, just to get new Kiss records. Right. We just wanted as many Kiss records as we could get. So that what the merchandise was never quite as important to us as the music, mm-hmm. and which I think flies in the face of what a lot of their detractors say. Oh, they're just all image. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. That was a, that was a selling point. But I mean, the music still is what carried it for. It had to you know, my little circle of friends, mm-hmm. and they wound up uh, putting together a collection of music uh, this year too to kind of uh, push it a little further as well. Yep, double platinum, double platinum comes out in i think the spring of 78 um and then talk about more merchandising such a cool little insert your own platinum record yeah your platinum record award which you know at the time i didn't know what the hell that was Mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about that i was like what what is this i want to know how many people tried actually playing it well (laughs) uh i don't even remember having you know i had that record but i i must have gotten it second hand or maybe i don't know it didn't i don't remember it having that in there mm-hmm. but i can remember we would try to uh do like a rubbing of the you know that covers embossed and well we're getting way ahead let's talk about this record double platinum just the audaciousness of it okay it's a greatest hits album that comes mm-hmm. out and you get it 
and it's the silver embossed cover, mm-hmm. which is which evidently was a, a award winning feat for the company that produced them because of the what they had to do to make them. But I don't understand the technicalities of that. Yeah, but, and it's a gatefold cover. Mm-hmm. But before you open the record, you have to buy it. And there's no songs listed on the cover at all. Nope, front or this back. This is this is some serious fuck you <laughs> to somebody somewhere. It's like you know what? Here it is. It's our greatest hits album. You haven't had any hits. You haven't had any hits. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, what's no on context it? whatsoever? There's no context. It's just Kiss double platinum. The front and the back are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. No credits. Nothing until you open it up, and then you see it's oh, it's songs I've already got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, fuck me, right? But I guess. But, but man, all I get is a stupid fucking gold record that I can't put. My my new, yeah. <laughs> it's not like yeah, my platinum record award. Uh, so let's see here. A lot of yeah, the only uh, new you know greatest hits, and they have no way they've had they've how many hits have they had at this point? Like two. Well, yeah. I'll say we'll go we'll say how I forget where we said Hard Luck Woman charted. I think, and then I think that's it. So three. So Beth, Hard Luck Woman, Rock and Roll All Night. But was this not a uh, part of like a record contract? You know, uh, obligation. You know how bands have to put out something yeah, every year. I think, and I think this was to meet some sort of. I, you know what? I missed that on my research on this. So what I do remember is that the, y'all are kind of hitting it close. Is that there was some sort of we need to release something within the year, so on and so forth. And I think this was also. They were trying to put this in a lot more markets and kind of using this as like a almost like a press kit record almost. Right. And weird. what wound up being interesting though is what led to and I might be getting a little bit ahead, but it still connects to the story of this. All the remixes were done because they couldn't get certain master tapes. And no. that there was like the story of them having to like overnight fly certain tapes okay, to different studios that's, okay that's what i've got i've got they're in trident studios in london it's mm-hmm. it's mike stone and sean delaney mike stone went on to produce other notable well i guess records blah 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 whatever right do this your own kiss show anyway <laughs> yeah sean delaney and they there there were at this point i think they're already neck deep in producing one of the solo albums mm-hmm. and Bill Coyne comes out of left field and goes, Hey, we need this and we need it pronto. Mm-hmm. So this is all done. These mixes are all done over the course of about 10 days. Yep. So everybody get your, get your, uh, your candy out. And what they did was they, <laughs> yep. The, yeah, I'm sure that was, <laughs> we got 10 days. <laughs> and, 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 and to illustrate that we're going to go track by track here on some of this stuff. But um, you, you talk about how they flew the master tapes over. Mm-hmm. They sent a receptionist from the coin. So the story goes, she goes over, no hotel, no staying, no visiting. She gets in a, she lands, gets in a cab, goes to the studio, gives them the tapes, gets back in the cab, goes back to the airport, gets back on the plane and flies the fuck back. Yep. Home. That's, you know, <laughs> that is called so, fuck you money. Yeah. yeah no shit. <laughs> so it's like, Jesus. And so um, let's go. So all these songs are remixed. And the uh, idea to a point, uh, there's a few that aren't. But the idea here is they want to establish a balance between the different recordings because they're all. Yeah. Very different. They want it to be an even sounding kind of thing from track to track, which, of course, um, I don't think worked at all. Well, it, it yeah, I was it, about to ask how y'all feel like do, the. It's hard to do, and of course, you know, it, the Ezrin tracks proved to be the most difficult. Yeah. Um, well, it kicks off with uh, the only brand new track on the record, which is Strutter seventy eight. Okay, everyone says this is like got a disco feel. I don't really see the it's disco a, feel. I hear he's it. not doing double time on the hi hat, which I thought was there, and I listened to it again. I'm like, it's a he's shaker. Not. And, and and it might have the four on the floor on the kick. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, there. so I hear disco, and I'll explain why. So even though it's not a double hi-hat, there is that shaker and the tambourine that kind of gives it that, which you would hear. And if you pay attention closely, there is a synth. 
there's a synth that yeah. does some swells. It's definitely a late seventies, you know, vibe. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that was kind of used on and you like know, the extra reverb on Paul's vocal and uh, everybody says she's looking good. There, there's a lot more of the harmonies during that part. Do it again. <laughs> very very <laughs> Casablanca standards for the time. Yes, How about thank that? you. Yeah, but it, yeah, that's it's produced by or recorded by anyway uh, a guy named Jimmy Ironer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any details on this. It's like I can't find any information on like where did they record this at, when they recorded it. it, why was it just the one song, why was Jimmy Ironer chosen to do it. You know, there's nothing out there. I can't the, find any information on this. The only things I've heard is that like rumors is that it was also left over from the Alive Two sessions. Okay. That's Still. the only other thing I heard. Well, it's got a really... I think his lead on this is really good. It's really strong. Yeah, and it's clearly and an ace lead. One thing that I've noticed on all these tracks is that all these leads, the solos, are, are pushed a lot hotter than they are on the original mixes. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes into... We're going to not go every song, but any song that I found that I felt was notably different. Yeah. And, and really, most of them aren't even notably different but there there's some differences hard luck woman yes which it has the delayed intro on the bass and drums they come in at a different point than they do on the yep, a little later yep it comes in later and it lets the opening kind of it lets that acoustic kind of vibe flourish a little more. and a little and air it, in between and it, it. Been interesting to hear the entire track mixed that way uh-huh, with no bass and no drum well, and also they've got a little bit more slap back on Peter's vocal. Yeah, it would. I think it would been interesting if they had done that. That would have been a, a neat change on it, a whole alternate kind of. Would have even been an alternate take. It just would have been an alternate mix, which it already is anyway. But and the thing is, is actually when you listen to Hard Luck Woman, I think there is an alternate Peter vocal take near the end. Yeah, you know what? There's. I I, I was looking for that too, and mm-hmm. I didn't. I couldn't quite get it because I think I'm, that was one of the master tape things. Like they got one of the tapes in there. Like, oh, this is like the second to the last mix but that how, we had, or something like that. How it all wound like up that. in there? It sounds like he's saying two words at the same time. At the yeah, end. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was some weird little thing like yeah. that. Um, and again, that's just that information you pick up on like the message board 10 years ago. And you're like, oh, that's cool information. And then you go to look for it again. And you're just like, I don't know where I found that. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Dr. Love has that cool intro on it. Yeah, cool intro. But I hate everything else they do with the intro. I like the Dr. Love. Yeah, yeah, and, and the yeah, into the song. That's cool. Now, if they had let it play through but, normal after that. It would have been fine. It's a lot drier than the. Uh, well, not only that, they cut the, the intro again, so it does the big, it does the vocal it, yeah, thing, right. the build up, the riff halfway through, right. then it does that yeah, it again, does and then it's into the vocal. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, come on, <laughs> teasing like that. But we've got to make it different. Well, I mean, they're just trying to make it tighter and. Probably had some time constraints to consider on this, too. But I do like what you're kind of saying. It was a lot more dry, and I think it's a pretty cool mix outside of the intro. It's not as atmospheric as that whole rock and roll over mix is. Mm-mm, it's not. Um, I didn't notice anything on Let Me Go, Love Gun, or God of Thunder. But Hotter Than Hell still has that weird kind of... Sounds Fake like it tape. was recorded through a pipe kind of thing. That yeah. I call it a tubular sound. Mm-hmm. It sounds like when you put a pipe to your ear you know and you're talking to your you know when you're a little kid and you're doing that oh yeah your friend kind of mm-hmm. i used to have the straw it's, mm-hmm. and it's got that weird kind of and that whole album has that that kind of weird kind of and it's it's not they can't get it out it's like it's just there yep and, and, and whatever um firehouse though it's got the tagged reprise at the end where it comes back into the mm-hmm. but there's also one major change on this song and it bugs the hell out of me which is they pitch shifted it. Mm-hmm. They uh, that record is in a standard uh, it was in a half step tuning. This song is sped up in a way to where it's an E. Weird. I, they, I gotta revisit that. this one again notice. too. Yes, they have they pitch changed that song. If you if you just listen to the intros back to back, it's completely it's it's the same guitar track, but it's either sped up or pitch corrected. It's not the same audio Ooh. frequency. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That, I, I did not that, notice that. That always bugged me how it was a step higher. I love how side B is 
all just like uh, the only writing credit on that entire side is Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> I wrote this side. Yes. <laughs> Give me more money. Uh, the first two bass notes on 100,000 Years are very heavily reverbed. Yes. Oh, well, the the song before it, Deuce, uh, that one kind of wound up showing up a few more times. Uh, you've got a lot more reverb on the uh, snare, mm. and the bass is a lot more in this version. Yeah. So they, they did do a little bit more interesting with that. But no, exactly what you're saying, too, on 100,000 Years. Yeah, that blows it out. So we got the rock bottom intro. Well, Detroit Rock City has the chorus sung over the solo. Now, what's your opinion of that? Because it. it is always 50-50 if that so, shows up somewhere. That was the first it. version I ever heard. Was really? The, was that uh, Detroit Rock City chorus over the, uh, the yeah, solo no, that's part? That's the version I think it's still played on the radio whenever mm-hmm. you hear it. Yeah, and greatest hits packages and, and things like yeah, that. And it's got that. it's got the heavy reverberated ending. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that, which I'm okay with, but that them singing over the... They're putting that chorus part over that lead, and that's the best part of the lead to me. Oh, the dan, 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 yeah. dan, dan. And I'm like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Why does that need to be there? It doesn't. Why did you do that? That's that's, that's one of those arbitrary idea. things that they kind of did. I feel because they were high on coke. <laughs> yeah, and I think hey, I got a good idea, man. Who are we gonna do? This? We got you know, 24 tracks, man. We can use all of them. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take the intro to rock bottom. And we're going to put it at the beginning of She. Okay, now here's the question. Should they have done that on the original album? Do you no. think that could have no. fit there? It's a, it just doesn't. The key is just so... The difference in key is just jarring to it me. It is. And I feel that they, they took way too long uh, fading in the intro. It feels like when you start the song, it's quiet for like an entire minute. Well, it, and then it starts to like build it's up. part of that song. It almost feels like it's just an interlude between the two songs in mm-hmm. a way that it, it isn't... On, like in Rock Bottom, it's definitely part of the song. Yeah. Whereas here, it just feels like it's just dropped in kind of like... Yeah, and that's kind of what he was saying, like the it, key shifts. You know what? I haven't pulled the record out. I haven't been moving anyway, but is, the, is it credited that way on the It vine? is. is it? It's yeah. those two back to back. It's one track. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Rock Bottom intro. See, I, don't really, I, thought, I thought it didn't have that in there. Nope. I it thought is. it was just it was just like it was just there. So like they could be like uh, I can see them going like oh Led Zeppelin does this you know <laughs> no wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah I, I know they that. do it now I'm saying on the vinyl on the original mm-hmm. vinyl album it it says it on the mm-hmm. it okay. says rock bottom and All then right. intro in parentheses okay. and then she um and it's got the ending is it repeats over at the end yeah you know and it seems like he does this on. All of these songs that they've remixed, he really seems to like this idea of like, let's just tag on the ending at the beginning and the song will just sort of restart as it fades out. Yeah. And he does it on, you know, Black Diamond. Black Diamond, yep. It's interesting that they use the studio version of Rock and Roll All Night as opposed to the hit live version. I know it. Mm -hmm. Here is a Greatest Hits album, but you're using the version that wasn't a hit. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of curious. Give Give it a second chance, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. This whole record um, is curious. And then it says a Come On and Love Me remix, although I went back and re- listened to that a few weeks ago, and the only thing I could really catch is that maybe like the tambourines were a little louder. I don't know. I, I was curious if he had taken anything different. Like, the, you know, there's an acoustic guitar that's pretty pronounced, and it sounded a little more pronounced in this mix than it does on the original. <laughs> okay, that could be one, too. Uh, then the solo sounds a lot. Again, the lead is a lot hotter and drier on Black Diamond. So right. all these little things, they're little things that if you A, B them, you'll notice. But if you're not in the habit of A, B in them, mm-hmm. most of that stuff you don't even pay attention to. Yeah. And it's just another, it's just, it's, it's the same thing. It's a, overall, I think this is a totally unnecessary, but decent collection of stuff. Still went platinum though, right? It's for the yeah, of course, and it's really designed, I think, for their expanding fan base. I think yeah. it's like all these people that are kind of, you know, these young kids that are buying into Kiss. It's like here's a here's a sampler, you know, here's well, those, where you can start if you want. But then you got the but you already have the two live records that are you know. I know it's it seems like I said it's unnecessary, but here it well, is. So let's let's look at it maybe this way. Okay, so like you said, you've got the two live records. So maybe a kid only has a certain amount of money. He's got the two live records, but now he wants the studio stuff. Well, I mean, you're looking at this. You got Strutter, Do You Love Me, Hard Luck yeah, Woman, Dr. Love. Yeah, but you don't know what you got because it's not listed Until on the cover. You get it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, how do you even know? That's maybe there was a hype sticker. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there was, but I don't know what it would have had on it. Yeah, maybe we should. We look, look it up. Yeah, see I'll if you can find. Up. See if there's a double quick. platinum hype sticker. <laughs> 
Because I don't recall there being one when I was a kid getting it, but I, you know. I can't remember if we've brought it up on previous episodes, but one of my, uh, back to like a, a brief merch uh, topic uh, thing, if you're on Instagram and if you don't follow, if, and if you're a Kiss fan and you don't follow Knights and Satan Service, you totally should. It's John Fives. Uh, from Rob Zombie's band's uh, Kiss collection, yeah, ever expanding. I, I don't need to see that. <laughs> it's fun though. Here I know, we are I'm talk- sure it is. I'm sure it's great. But I'm just gonna be like, you motherfucker. That's kind of yeah. You've that's- got the money and the means to do that, and you're the one that's fucking it up for the rest. of us. <laughs> It's cool though. I, I def- and of course, it's all just jealousy. Of course, okay, you know, exactly. It's absolute petty jealousy, with you motherfucker. He was on a a, a Loudwire uh, interview where. Uh, the whole bulk of the interview was like, show us your Kiss collection. Yeah. Well, I have this original ballet pinball machine and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> okay, so there actually was a hype sticker. Hmm. And it was a really big one with all the track listing. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder, but I wonder, was that always there from the get-go? I don't know, but I just typed in hi- uh, yeah. double platinum hype sticker, and I finally found go. a sealed copy. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, it it's a big one with all the tracks. Well, <laughs> it's like, why did they not put the album tracks on the cover to begin with? But maybe it's because uh, they wanted that classy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. It's a very, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's got all of it. Uh, see, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Because I wasn't I don't either rem- until I don't just now. I remember seeing... I just, you know, my memory is just really dim on seeing this record at stores. Yeah. No. Uh, and the, But the thing is, is like even when they reissued it on CD, they still didn't put the tracks on the back, I don't think. Mm-mm. I could be wrong on that. No, I don't. It's, you know, but it was, uh, I guess they wanted that packaging to be. And I was going to say from a design aspect, that is pretty cool, though. Just this big old silver record, same thing on the front and back. It almost yeah. feels like. You've got something that only executives would get. Exclusive. That kind of thing. Well, it's yeah, platinum. And, and you got Not your, just you platinum. got your record award. You know, your platinum record award. Oh, and something you were about to mention earlier, but we never worked back around to. So when you did open it up and you finally saw the track listing at the very top, there were four more embossed photos. Right. And the cool thing about it is when you looked at the embossed photos. They're the same thing as the solo albums. It's the same thing as the solo albums and the makeup is it super embossed on there? And I remember mom ta- yep. telling the yep. story. We if you get try the, to trace them. Yeah, we did that too. Yep, where Absolutely. it's like you put the piece of paper on top, you get your pencil, yep. tilt it on the side, and yep. do that gentle That's scrape it, yeah. across. And it's like, then you try to see what they look like without uh-huh. the makeup on, man. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you were we leading to that. I don't think we ever did. got there. Yeah, we absolutely would do that. And we, you know, and then that's you see a lot of those records. If you find them used, you'll see the pin marks where kids have tried right. to do that because <laughs> that you know it absorbed that mm-hmm. you know, that imprint from where you did that. Yeah, I'm looking at a lot of the used copies that are online. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, but that was part of the fun of it. It's interesting that that pic, those four pictures are being used for the solo album covers. Well, you don't know that yet because that's still out on the horizon. Yeah, um, but this is pushing out. Are they still on tour at this point? I'm not sure. Cause uh, I think possibly early 78. I think they were wrapping up the Love Gun tour. No, because they were supposedly when they, they were already working on their solo albums when when they mixed this stuff. But, you know, that's yeah, where... Uh, the Alive 2 tour went from November 15th, 77 to April 2nd, 78. So when does Double Platinum come out? Double Platinum It comes out in out. April 78, doesn't it? I just it does. Up oh, there you go. April second. So yeah, right so, as the tour is wrapping up, or just around that time. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not going to be an accurate. Day. That's probably just a ship date. The street dates would have probably been yeah more varied at that point. Yeah, um, but no. The but here's the thing though, and every with everything else we've got coming up, like to talk about within the solo records and the movie. Again, the Alive Two tour went from November fifteenth, seventy seven, to April second, seventy eight. The Dynasty tour kicked off in June '79. Yeah, they had less than a year, to, or a little over a year rather, to get all of this done that they're about to get done. Yeah, yeah. so and, much fucking happens in this year. We're just in April. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's Kiss Mania. They're they're definitely ruling everything at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't go anywhere and not be inundated with, with you know, without being inundated with kiss something. Yeah, they're you know 
the marketing is over the top. Mm-hmm. I think that's very much a seventies kind of idea. This whole super hype kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it runs kind of, uh, you know, counter to the, to that sort of, uh, hippie culture from 10 years prior where everything was about your integrity and blah, 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 blah. And kiss is just flaunting, you know, their success really. And, and really they're probably not as successful as they're trying to make themselves appear to be, you know, we know now that their records aren't selling quite as well as they want to say. Um, they are still, they're killing uh, it with merchandise, they're but they're not getting the lion's share. And they're, and, they're, and they're not getting the lion's share. But then, and of course, they're certainly, you know, still a very uh, popular live act. Mm-hmm. But even that, I, I feel like it was, if I remember correctly, I'm, we may have discussed it on previous episodes, but there was almost that same kind of split even with the live shows. Bill was getting a much larger commission off those dates than the four members of KISS were individually. You're probably right. So... Well, we're about to see them get pitted up against each other in a very nasty way. Yeah. Unintentionally, but <laughs> this is what's going to happen. And I mm-hmm. think what we're going to be doing now is looking at the solo albums, which come out the following fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what we'll do is a special, you know, they come out all four on the same day. Yeah, they do. All four albums, really, nothing, nothing like this has ever been done before. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to release four episodes all in the same day. Oh, shit. And each one will be dedicated to each individual album. Let's see mm-hmm. if uh, all streams get the uh, same return. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they all get So be looking for that. Uh, these are going to be special episodes of No Time to Turn. There probably won't be full-length episodes. I think these will be you know, we'll call them our mini episodes, but mm-hmm. we're going to give each album its uh, fair shake. Uh, this is really a big thing. This is, you know, I mean, this is any band doing this. It, it would be, it would be impressive. But, yeah. You know, uh, I can't think of any other band that has ever done anything like this before or since. Nope. Not no. even the Beatles, especially not earnestly. Some yeah. people have done it, done it as like little jokes, like four EPs kind of stylizing them like that, but nothing serious. So everything they're doing right now is teeing the ball for the following fall. There's going to be a lot going on. We're going to get the solo albums. And then of course they're going to make this television movie. Mm-hmm. And then, and as rumor has it, the birthplace of the solo records happen while they're filming said no, movie. No, that's not, that's not accurate though. See, I've, I've no heard way, that so many already, times. Because they've already started on working on these albums at this point. They haven't filmed the movie yet. Okay, so I, I heard that's the a, big thing yeah. of like the, they're that's arguing their, in I the back. I think that's, that's, that's why we do these shows. That's their yep. that's their narrative, and mm-hmm. they're sticking to it. Yeah, but which is, said narrative that, is like Ace we didn't show know, up, and that caused arguments, and Bill was like, well, it, how about we all just do solo no, albums? it's already in their contract to do solo albums. That contract negotiation they did in 76 has a stipulation that each member will produce a solo album. Yep. So I, I, I love it. This is like the fun part of the, uh, the timeline yeah. for me. So we'll get into all that though. We'll talk about that at length on the next, well, the next episodes. four episodes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hopefully y'all will, uh, join us as we go into a deep dive of the solo albums. And until then I'm Russ and for cap and for uh, Alex, well, whatever your fucking name is, <laughs> whatever that guy's name is, Tommy <laughs> Thayer. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time on No Time to Kill. Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at Patreon.com/slash Something Good Network.